Okay, there we go. We good? Yeah, we're good. Got good levels. Good levels is what it's all about. I'd like to start by complaining. <laughs> Actually, I was going to say makes a change, but you, you're not normally a complainer, I don't think. I mean, about some things. Ask Lori. She'll say I complain. But, oh, um, right. My better half. She'll definitely say that. But um, I'd like to start by complaining that saying your neighborhood is absolute crap when it comes to Pokemon. I have been searching for Pokemon for a half hour, <laughs> and I keep finding the lamest ones. You know, I said to you, what's going on before we started this chat? Yeah. And I and I thought, uh-huh. is Greg going to bring up Pokemon? Uh, yeah. Out and of the within 15 seconds of that little red light saying record, you brought up Pokemon. Listen, I did catch a Bellsprout, which is pretty cool, okay? But I went over to Kerry Park on my way here. I, I was a little early today. So I decided to stop by old Kerry Park and see what's going on there. Lovely view. Perfect day for it. It's... Partly cloudy, about 70 degrees, sunshine, tourists everywhere, and uh, I got over there. It wasn't super busy. I sat down, tried to get some good Pokemon on <laughs> Space Needle photos, okay? That was the idea here. You've lost me, but carry on. You, do you understand the Pokemon Oh, game? absolutely not. It's a, Do you know what augmented reality is? Nope. Okay, so in the game, uh, the little Pokemon pop up, but it uses your camera to show you whatever is in front of you. Like, if you were going to take a picture, how the screen is active, and then you push the button and it shows it. Well, now they just superimpose a little Pokemon that's dancing around over it, okay? So it's like, in your backyard, you can have a Pokemon in your backyard. I'll show you a picture for reference. Good. I'm, I'm still thoroughly confused. I'm clearly not down with the kids. You know what virtual reality is? Oh, yeah. You wear the stupid helmet and all that stuff? Uh-huh. Imagine if, rather than having to wear the helmet, it was just on the screen so you could like not be fully immersed. Oh. Oh, that almost didn't. It almost made sense, it's but It's almost didn't. like they've augmented the reality there. Mm, I see what, you, what you're doing there. Um, so here, I mean, we had the damnedest thing happen the other day in like the I'm studio. Go on. We had a Pokemon attack the control board. Oh, okay. So, so you don't physically grab hold of these Pokemon. No, no. So they're digital. They're just so. So, why do you have to go somewhere if they're already on your phone? Because they populate them in different places. So it it ties into like a maps application. It knows where you are, and it says these types of Pokemon live in this neighborhood. And so, like, but they don't really. They're just on your phone. Yeah, it's all imaginary. Yeah. So what you need to do is you need to do yourself a favor and go to one of the major parks, okay? Like probably Cary Park right now and look for all the people, millennials, teenagers. I saw two white-haired old people walking around doing this and just look and everyone's <laughs> looking at their phone like this. They're scanning back and forth looking and then they, and they do the flick and they're trying to catch the catch the po- This one was outside the window at work. Can I just stick to FIFA 13, please? FIFA 13, really moving into the modern era. <laughs> Seriously, dude. Van Persie still plays for Arsenal at the time. It's amazing, yeah. I have um, a- an Xbox, and I only have two games. Yeah. I can't even remember what the other one is, actually. <laughs> but one of them is FIFA 13, and I've just never bothered to update it. Whatever. And, and there's, there's me and two of my buddies that play irregularly because, hey, we're grown adults but it doesn't stop us playing. And we all had FIFA 13, we'll play online. And then one of my buddies physically broke the, the, the disc oh, what? that has FIFA 13. It's so weird to think about having to play a video game from a disc these days. Well, exactly. I mean, it seems very 1990s. But he couldn't get hold of FIFA 13, so he had to update to FIFA 16. Oh, no. And so now we can't play him. Well, hold on. Do you think he broke the disc on purpose? Just you think so he, he was trying to? He didn't want to hurt your feelings. He's like, I'm sorry that you haven't upgraded your life, Ross. He got fed up of living in the 2000s and being beaten seven nil by an England that has 
Theo Walcott playing for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those were the days. Now, are you considering ever upgrading to the new to the new system? Oh heck no! no I mean, you- I mean, why would you? I mean, FIFA 13 is. A, I mean, it's got men that kick the ball towards a net. What more do you need? Good enough. Simple game. I mean, you could almost go outside and project it onto the real world, so that way it looks like people are actually playing in reality. The the odd part about this Pokemon thing is that people are, are to find them. You have to walk around to find them. So there's all these kids out walking around getting exercise, but they're still playing video games. So they're still how close? Do you, so if you're in Kerry Park, yeah, how close? do you have to be is it literally within like a meter square where this pokemon will be it's or uh, is it in the general area as I long think, as you've got a rough signal there i think they use video game math to just be like you've been walking around for long enough without finding one so now by chance this is the one you'll find i think it's like uh totally i don't think there's me. one that actually lives like in the corner of your yard it's just like if i play in your yard for long enough one will appear in your yard wow will it yeah you want, you want to do that? All right, you get playing. Okay, we'll do that. I'll, I'll bring a Pokemon up. We'll see what lives in your backyard. It's probably something crappy, like a Weedle. Ugh. <laughs> I found a... <laughs> God, man. There's there's a bunch of real bad ones around here. Yeah, all I've seen on this is everyone going, this is getting out of hand, the Pokemon. It's, a, it's and, out of control. And then I've seen media screenshots. One of my friends who works for CTV News Channel What's that? in Toronto. Okay. It's, it's like the rolling news channel, like CNN. Canada's version. <laughs> it was her face on a screenshot with a uh, like a news thump or one of those other sarcastic satirical news outlets online that was saying, "Media goes into a frenzy over Pokemon craze, saying the world is about to end because one skateboarder fell over and grazed his knee, and a lady walked into a lamppost, and all of a sudden it's causing injuries and serious problems for people the world over. No. Is Pokemon too dangerous? Is is the Western, or not Western, because I guess England is Western also, is the American, North American media trying to take a page out of the British tabloid world? That's what I'm coming to now. That's <sighs> what I'm deciding. I don't know. I mean, if they are, bad move. help them. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, dude. It's crazy, because it's... I was thinking about what the American media's version of the BBC is, and it's the BBC, because we don't have like a non-biased... Well, like, it's PBS, but it's yeah, very different. Uh, yeah, I mean, what yeah, the BBC. You is. don't get like you don't get a news feed of just like what of current events and stuff without a without a bias on it from anywhere but the BBC. I feel like. Well, yeah, I mean, PBS is public service. It's supposed to be neutral, isn't it? But the BBC's had this long and hard won reputation the world over for yeah. for being impartial. If we're going to get geopolitical here, because hey, we've talked Pokemon, which is frivolous, and it's a soccer podcast, so let, we... <laughs> exactly. So let's now talk politics around the world. Yeah, that the BBC actually is a very useful tool for the British government, with which to exert influence around the world, because it can get its public message through all the stations that that the BBC has, mainly radio stations in different languages all over the globe. So it uses what's called soft power. Uh, through Interesting. the BBC because, because of that very trust that I was just talking yeah. about where like we don't have a non-biased American media that has any power so I turn to the BBC but then whatever their sort of like British agenda is overall then I'm <laughs> yeah there's no British agenda it just reflects the world as Britain sees it which, sure. is, which is the same way as uh, other world news channels except the ones like Russia Today have a slight bias, just Putin a is tiny, great. tiny yeah. bias towards what Vladimir Putin wants to put out. I mean, just a little bit. And if you don't agree, then you're dead. Yeah, pretty much. 
Well, that's fascinating. Yeah, because I was thinking that there's no, I'm not getting an honest take out of anyone here anymore. So it's, uh, <laughs> I guess I turn to the BBC because we don't have one, but now that's even ruined for me. You're telling me Fox News doesn't play it straight? I thought they were fair and balanced. Oh my God. I spent, I spent four <laughs> days with my father just digesting a bunch of that. And I don't care which side you are, like you watch that one or the other one and it's still, it's like awfully for ratings and money. And ugh. Well, I remember watching it having grown up watching and then working for the BBC in England and seeing Fox News Channel for the first time on my cable package in the UK and just laughing out loud, at, like you say, whatever your politics, at the presentation of it all and how clearly biased to one side it is and how it's presented with a straight face as if that is the reality of a balanced society. It's satire. Uh, and it seemed it to me as a <sighs> growing up in the UK and then I come here and it's, no, that's just how it's done in the news here. <sighs> so bananas, dude. Well, um, I, I, I don't want to change the subject because it's not good. Oh, yeah. There's kind of an elephant in the room or uh, on, the, on the deck as, as we are right now. I just want to. I just want to read these three words that I've written down. In your black book, is this an obituary? No, it's not. It's <laughs> an not. epitaph. R.I.P. Ziggy. It's worst in West. That's the Seattle Sounders FC, Ross. Yeah, it's not pretty, is it? There's, there's not. I saw people trying to spin some things about it, and I was like, "That's cute," <laughs> but we're talking about the worst team in the Western Conference. Maybe in the Eastern Conference too. I haven't checked. There's, there's some really bad teams in the East. Don't tar Seattle with that brush yet. They okay. are not right. Chicago Fire. But aren't, aren't they? At this point in the season, I don't think I can ever recall Seattle being bottom of the standings. I don't and think... I, have they ever been bottom of yeah, the standings? Yeah, I mean, there's, t- there's been times. 2013, they were God, bottom of the standings. You. When... I remember the fourth game of the season... They drew at home to New England Revolution nil-nil, and it didn't look pretty. And it was a thin lunchtime crowd, and I think people were worried then. But they pulled it around. Yeah, um, they managed to make some big signings and and get it figured out. But yeah, there was a a real sense of foreboding after that LA final whistle when Seattle created so many great chances. Twenty-two shots. But again, just couldn't stick the ball in the back of the net. And there's a reason why they're the lowest scorers and, and bottom of the standings in the West in MLS. I've got a guess. Go on. Obafemi Martins. <laughs> <laughs> Funny you should say that. Funny you should say that. From day that. one. There's, a, there's um, a statistical analysis of the Sounders' chance creation that I saw on MLSsoccer.com today or yesterday. And it says pretty much they're creating the same number of chances from the same kind of places as they were last season. But it exactly mirrors how they were when Ober was part of the team but was injured or suspended or for whatever reason. Holding out for a new contract. Almost mirrors the fact that when Seattle right now have chances, they don't score anywhere near the same rate as they used to with Ober in the team, but they score at the same rate as when Ober was a part of the Sounders, but was, like I say, out of the game for whatever reason. So it's very clear that the biggest issue is the loss of Oberfemi Martins. And I just tweeted after that game, the LA game, because Seattle really, on balance, should have won. Oh my God, absolutely. Because of all the chances. Look, LA should have had a penalty. 
they should have had two when Robbie Keane was pushed down the box in the first half. <laughs> yeah. I know Seattle had a couple of half shouts for penalties, but the LA one to me was the clearest one that they got. I know Oleg Anderson dived for one later on for the sound. That one in given. that one in person, that dive from Oleg Anderson looked like a foul. It so just shows what a hard job the yeah. referees have got. I was right there. I mean, I'm I'm 20 yards away, looking right at the guy with the ball, and it looked like he was fouled. And I was looking from the opposite angle to where um, the defender was, so I was looking straight at Anderson with the defender behind him, and I couldn't tell. It looked to me like a penalty, but if you look from behind the defender, you can see Anderson dived, but. Um, Shout-outs to Matt Pence for being able to see the replay and then tweet about it so I could immediately look on Twitter to be like, settle down, everybody, it was a dive. Yeah, but they should have should have won the game, but they, they didn't. And I tweeted after the game, to go back to the point, that mm-hmm. there's a lot of chatter from the Sounders and they want to sign a creative attacking midfielder. Nothing wrong with that. But the priority has to be someone who sticks the ball in the back of the net. Yeah. I mean, come on. Goals win games. This is as simple analysis as you're going to get. And also things that didn't help them, like Jordan Morris has a terrific goal at Toronto, plays really well second half, down the middle, with Dempsey still not ready to come back. Yeah. And then what happens in the next game, this this LA game, Ziggy Schmidt again shuffles everything around, which shoves Morris out to the left, where he's basically wasted. Dempsey behind the striker, which we talked about at the start of the season, doesn't make him as likely to score goals, and he's your best finisher, with Valdez up top. And Nelson Valdez, terrific guy, incredible backstory, very good pro, works incredibly hard, but is not doing it for Seattle, and right now doesn't deserve a place in the starting eleven. He starts up top, and it's just not happening for Seattle. Yeah, he can't get the ball in the net. There's no consistency there. Okay, they've been missing Dempsey, but now Dempsey's back and Morris is there. Stick him up top in a four-four-two and see what happens. We, I, keep, I saw a couple glimpses of that where it looked like it was four-four-two a little bit, where the guys are naturally kind of drifting into that type of alignment, which is cool. But then also the other issue was it looked clearly that Ziggy Schmidt wanted to to crowbar Christian Roldan on the field. Andre Stevenships was on the bench, and again, you know. He's not been playing very well, so you can understand why he might not be starting. But in Crowbone rolled down onto the field, he actually played something like a 4-2-3-1 rather than a 4-3-3. But rolled down was was almost a hybrid on that right-hand side. It unbalanced the team, yeah, and it didn't work. Now, you might say it, it, it did work because they created a whole heap of chances, but it didn't work because they lost the game and didn't score. I've never seen a team other than the team I root for in England, I've never seen a team get the ball around the 18-yard box as effectively as the Sounders. Just all around it. They just they could move the ball around the central defense, no problem, but they could never get a shot on target enough to, to actually make a real call for it. The goalkeeper for uh, for LA was uh, exquisite also. I thought he did a great job out there. He was, he, well, he, he, he obviously kept a clean sheet. Brian yeah. Rowe had some, some, a couple of shaky moments where he, he flapped crosses uh, and made a couple of good saves. There was a looping Dempsey header that he tipped over the bar neatly and a couple of other headers, one from Roldan that went straight at him and then the defence made a series of really good blocks and you're right, at times Seattle managed to get the ball wide, get it in the box and try and create chances. Sort of. At other times they were hesitant and trying to play a few too many passes. It just, I think that's the name of the game. It's frustrating. Just passing. Pass, 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 just pass. Just so frustrating. Still, I see people online saying, like, well, the passing rate is 
you know, on paper, the Sounders are beating them. And I'm like, yeah, well, that doesn't, doesn't matter. Cares? It doesn't matter. I don't care if you have 1,100 passes outside the 18-yard box, especially when L.A. is content with you doing that. Whoever that big, bald central defender was, that guy was <laughs> not out of control. You couldn't stop him. Or he Yellow could, Van Damme. Yeah. yeah. Or at least, Belgian guy. Yeah, that guy was... Uh, I mean, he sticks out because the gleam off his head from that bald sweatiness was incredible. Yeah, but six feet five and not a fleck of hair on his head. And not an ounce of fat on the guy either. That guy's <laughs> a tree trunk. My God. Yeah. But and Then the goal with Robbie Keane, the, one of the dude, deadliest strikers in the league, right in front of where you were standing. Jovan <sighs> Jones just completely switches off when LA get that slip ball through the, the left wing. Zach Scott misses his, misses his challenge, mistimes it. And he and slips and falls. Too, Jones, yeah, and Jones is sleeping right there. Chad Marshall has to come to the crosser to try and block the cross. What are you going to do? Jovan Jones very simply has to slide across and then take over the marking of Robbie Keane and doesn't. And Jovan Jones has been a liability for Seattle this season. Yeah. he's 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 been brought in as a left back has the athleticism to be a wing-back, but doesn't have the defensive discipline. He's more like a streaky winger, a wide midfielder, and he's made a series of catastrophic yeah. errors this year. He's sort of a, a sort of a Steve Zakawani almost, now that I think about it. Like, the ability to really have a ton of speed and play down the side, but... Without the finishing ability. Okay. And without uh, and neither of them was I ever thought of as a defender at all. It's interesting that he's no, been slotted no. in there, especially when you got a guy like Dylan Remick on the, on the and, left side there that and, has a little more... This is the issue. Yeah. Remick's young, and they wanted to get younger and faster. Remick's young and pretty quick. And they brought Jovan Jones in, who's who's young and quick. Now, is Jones an upgrade? No, I don't think so. Is Remick uh, the best option at left back in no. the league? No. Neither of them, at the moment, are very good options for, for left back. Um, but you brought Jovan Jones in from the worst team in the league, knowing that he's not strong defensively. So what happens? You have problems now at left back again. Well, and then you got Mears on the right, who's exceptional player and he's got all the skill in the world but he's also 48 years old like he's not <laughs> your young guy's the guy that should be bombing down the side but you're counting on that guy to bomb down the other side like i feel like you need to slot into a three-back scenario when you send joven jones up the left and keep mirrors back if you're going to do that because jones obviously doesn't have the skill set yet to be playing that i feel like playing defense requires you to have such a better command on the game because you have to know what the other team is going to do to you, not what you're going to do to them. And that means you're predicting what they're going to be doing in attack. Typically, yeah. If one fullback goes, yeah. then the other one stays at home. Sure. That's just how you balance things out, as you say. But you need Mears because he's the experienced guy. It's crazy. And Mears is a good crosser of the ball. Yeah. But he doesn't quite have the legs anymore at, what, 33 now, I think? to get up and down all game. Though I would argue that Steven Gerrard, um, who was who became the slow old man on the pitch for Liverpool in his last season playing defensive midfield, is now part of their attacking two at the front. The whole time it was Keane and Gerrard right in front of us, back and forth to each other. I can't even imagine those guys like each other, and they're up there playing awesome <laughs> uh, soccer. And, Former and, Liverpool teammates. And, and Gerrard looks like he couldn't give a crap. Like He's just there for the paycheck, and he's still... Is still drawing the attention of everybody. It was unbelievable. This is what you expect from LA, though, I guess. Yeah, and the real dichotomy for the Sounders is that the flattest performance of the year, the one you were, you were sincerely worried about, was the New York City FC home game, where yeah. they lost 2-0 and were dreadful. Dreadful, really were. Uh, and you wonder then about where this team was going. 
But then you go and play LA and lose at home in the next home game. And there are reasons for optimism. Apart from you're not scoring a darn goal. Yeah. It's so hard to predict right now because, as I say, they're creating chances, but while ever they're not scoring, they've got to do something about it. They can't keep going back to the same old theme, which is every single week. Ooh, we created a lot of chances. Who we cares? had the majority of the possession, but we were ooh either unlucky or it just didn't. You know, whatever. It's uh, after a while, the luck excuse grows very tired. Well, Every did, team has their share of good or bad luck. I watched Formula One and the engine explodes in the car for one guy four times throughout the season and he doesn't get any points in that and he finishes five places back on his teammate. At the end of the year, they're not like, oh, well, he had four exploded engines. Like, a, why'd you finish five places behind your teammate, dummy? No one remembers that it's because you didn't have the luck or you didn't, like, oh, well, we were better at passing. It's it's the weakest excuse out there. Yeah, I mean, and you got to cling to something, I guess, if you're going to tell the guys to get back in there and hustle, but... At the same time, like you're grasping at straws, mm-hmm. which is crazy. When you hear Brad Evans a couple games ago say that it's unacceptable, it's against New York, he comes out and he says, unacceptable how these guys play, other than being maybe not the most professional when you come out and criticize your teammates on that- an interview. <laughs> Who is he talking about that, that, is, that he's so upset about that they're content playing bad soccer. All I can think of is Jovan Jones who well, came from the worst team in the league. I think it was pretty clear from the inferences he was making he's talking about Jovan Jones. It's sad to, yeah. to denigrate a fellow professional, let alone a fellow teammate in public. And I think that yeah. shows it's very unsounders like to do that. How far the club has fallen this season. That you've now got the captain publicly calling out teammates for a lack of effort. And he, his quote this isn't verbatim, but basically said some people have come in from teams which don't have a habit of winning. They're in a culture of losing. That isn't acceptable around here. Now, from the people who've been brought in, the very obvious person is Joven Jones. Whether whether that is absolutely 100% certain, you have to ask Brad Evans. But either way, yeah. the inference is clear that there are serious problems there. I mean, just little things as well. You go on Twitter, and, and last week the Sounders announced that they'd re-signed Hercules Gomez and Zach Scott until the end of the season. So, again, the the inference being they only had contracts till the middle of the campaign, i.e. when this transfer window opened, which would give them flexibility if they wanted to move in a different direction. And Zach Scott tweets moments after having seen this news, well, news to me I wasn't playing the whole year. Yeah, what is that? It's it's a huge disconnect going on between players and organisation. And as I say, I've never seen that before with the Sounders. It's just, if it, it, ultimately, it's just sad to see. It's sad to see that happening. It's sad to see the captain calling out his own players. It's sad to see this really proud team to, at the bottom of the standings. It just, you know, beggars belief from where they were a couple of years ago when it was Martins and Dempsey entertaining the country and winning the Supporters' Shield. Now, to be fair, they're uh, third worst in the league, so they'd still be relegated if we were playing in any other system where their soccer had been successful. But uh, the Columbus Crew, who went to the MLS Cup last year, is behind Seattle Sounders FC for um, uh, 19th place. So, <laughs> out of 20. <laughs> uh, uh, so, uh, to be fair, like the, we're not the only ones that have struggled this yeah. season. And we might say, if you're being kind to the Sounders, is that Major League Soccer has always been built on parity. Yeah. The idea being that one or two teams can't dominate all the time. The, the mechanisms draw good teams back and pull bad teams up. 
And for Seattle to make the playoffs in all seven of their seasons so far from an expansion team has been a terrific success story. Yeah, and you can't and lose sight of that. You might say, well, okay, they're, they're allowed at least one bad season. But when you can see where those issues have lain and how everything has manifested itself, you've got every right to question why and why they didn't build on those successes. And I think you have to say it goes deeper than, than Oberfemi Martins. It goes all the way back to maybe even before last summer when the Sounders had a dreadful summer. What was it? They lost seven or eight games out of nine yeah. without their international stars. And they went and bought a lot of international players. You could say panic bought because clearly at the end of the year, they had to ditch a lot of good guys to make the books balance so they were within the salary cap. They threw everything they could and admitted it was MLS Cup or bust by signing likes of even shits, Valdez, Roman Torres, and on we go to win MLS Cup. And having admitted it was MLS Cup or bust, they bust, but nothing changed. Roman Torres is playing in practice a little bit. He's starting to get his soccer sense back about him. What do you do with Brad Evans, captain of the Seattle Sounders FC, when Roman Torres is fit? Does he ride the bench, Torres, or do you find a d different place for Evans? Is there a – I know at the beginning of the season he said, like, this is what I'm doing, and if you don't like it, I'm, I'll have to find somewhere else to go. What do you do? First of all, you say hello to my neighbor, Alan. Hi, Alan. Who's grinding away in his shed. No idea what he's grinding, but he's an artist. Smooth cut. Yeah. Thanks, Alan. Nice. Top man. He brings me smoked salmon around sometimes. Oh, off his smoker. Wonderful individual. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I digress. What you've got to see first is Roman Torres back to the player he was. And to be honest, we didn't see a lot of him to start with yeah. for the Sounders because he was injured. It was yeah. a horrible, unfortunate injury. Ugh. That was genuinely bad luck to see him pick up that ACL injury, the serious knee injury in the San Jose game at the back end of last season. Before that, he wasn't ultimately convincing as a central defender with the Seattle Sounders. And again, it takes players sometimes six, nine months yeah. to grow into a team. They give morning show hosts two years, so uh, <laughs> if anything. How long is it now? It's been almost three. <laughs> oh, I think you passed the test. The ratings are okay. It's fine. Good, good. I'm still tuning in to make sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Make me choke on my beer here, Ross. <laughs> You're a lucky listener. And... Because you haven't seen him really the best of him yet, you don't know whether he's he's going to be coming in and guaranteeing himself that spot. We saw him in the Gold Cup for Panama, and he was terrific. Yeah, he came to the Sounders. Uh, wife, two kids, doesn't speak the language. A world away from me and Arias in Colombia, where he was playing. Yeah, it's a very different environment. Of course, so he's also been doing a lot of rehab back home rather than rehabbing entirely in Seattle. Good for him, though. So is his head in the right place? You know, can he come back? Will he come back as strong from his ACL, or will he not be the same player? All these questions to be answered. So the obvious answer is we don't know whether he'll be right. I think only the coaching staff will have the clearest idea. Oh, man, that's going to be bananas. Because I don't know. Like, for me, Brad Evans is the quintessential um, – defensive midfielder now the guy was super quick down the wings he could play right back for the u.s men's national team for a while that was okay now he's a few years older than that though it's been a couple of years since he's had to do that his defensive mind is better now that he's had a couple seasons doing central back center back but is he the center back that you think of when you when he's the last line of defense i don't know 
but I do see him out there running around as a Freeberg type guy uh, next to Ozzy Alonso being able to pick up that slack. So, and then where does Freeberg go? Where does Christian Roldan go? What do you do? I'm sorry to say that uh, Roldan has been, as you said, kind of crowbarred into the team a little bit, and I feel bad for the guy because I just think that they're oversaturated in midfield. I've got the answer. Yeah. Just stick Brad Evans up front. Anyone at this point, just like he might have a better chance of scoring a goal. I'll never forget one of the coolest things I've seen a Sounders player do. Brad Evans burning down the right side, does that little flip trick when a guy comes and where the ball goes over your head forward yeah, uh, and just burns right by a guy. He's got the footwork. He could do it. I think it's possible. Your love affair with Brad Evans. <sighs> it's it's never died. I, ha- I hate to say anything negative or question anything about it just in the last 10 minutes but it's because uh, I, I want that guy to succeed and lead the team to as a captain to get some sweet silverware. I've got a question for you. Seeing Go ahead. As, seeing as you're clearly deeply, deeply in love with this man. Yeah. Let's see how far your, your passion runs. Got it. For Brad Evans. Yeah. What's the name of Brad Evans' dog? Uh, it's like Kodo, I think. <laughs> Did I get it? <laughs> you're spot on, my friend. I got to tell you the reason why... I think I'm, you're virtually married. The reason why I'm... Uh, I'm already virtually married to a woman, too, so this is going to be awkward. Sorry, Lori, <laughs> who definitely listens. Um, I think that uh, the, his work with the Seattle Humane, I'm also tied into Seattle Humane. I think that that's why... Is that bit, why? Because Brad Evans is? Is that why you, you tagged along? We're like, oh, no. They, uh, uh, Seattle Brad, hum- Brad, hi. I would say yes, but I don't want to sell Seattle Humane <laughs> short. I would do it for the gag, but at the same time. Um, yeah, we, were, we both did a, uh, I don't know, there was some pet day of some sort. And um, I was able to connect the dots to get Brad Evans' dog photographed for it. Um, and so that's how I know Kodo and whatnot. Anyway. Yeah, story. that's your story anyway. Dude, um, Wednesday night, 7.30. I'm not sure when this is coming out. I think tomorrow, so it'll be tonight. When? Just say Wednesday. Wednesday yeah. at 7.30 p.m. Yeah. yeah. It's worst versus the best of the West. <sighs> FC Dallas coming to CenturyLink Field. FC Dallas is, again, the best in the Western Conference, which is a... Uh, I don't know, man. I always think that when you bring the best team in, maybe it elevates the play of your own guys. But I don't see who finishes those goals, so I don't know what to do. The FC Dallas would be ahead of New... If it was all one table, they would be seven points clear in the same amount of games as second place. And I think they're 20 points clear of Seattle, aren't they? FC Dallas. That's exactly right. After 17 games. However, Seattle has three games in hand. Yeah, but still. How is that I want to curse because it's I'm so MLS. Mad. Yeah, how is it even freaking possible? Is that why the Sounders have 94 games in the month of July? Maybe. It's MLS. What can you say? Okay. Um, yeah, who knows? And I, I go back to that parity thing. The thing about MLS is great or good teams don't stay good for that long. I mean, LA have been the anomaly winning three in the last, what, five MLS Cups. But Is that Bruce Arena Arena? Uh, that- a lot of it is about Bruce Arena Arena yeah. um, in his arena. <laughs> But uh, FC Dallas have actually built a pretty good team over the last couple of years, thanks mainly to one man, Oscar Pereja. Yeah. And when it comes to the rivalry with the Sounders, normally Seattle in previous years have owned FC Dallas, but Pereja's turned that all around. When Seattle squeaked past them, having had a pair of 1-1 draws, I think, was it? No, 1-1 and 0-0 in the playoffs two seasons ago. Yeah. That really lit a fire under Pereja and FC Dallas. So that's It worked. That it worked having then turned the Sounders over in last season's playoffs. So there's a bit of an edge to this game, and I think Seattle will be motivated to get one over FC Dallas. 
but you never know because you know, it, it's MLS. It's a great leveler. Just the fact that it's Major League Soccer and anyone can beat anyone on every, any given Sunday or Wednesday. But Seattle are out of form. They're not scoring goals. FC Dallas are, 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 are pacey. They're tricky. They're flighty. I think it'll be a good game, to be honest, because it's getting into desperation time for Seattle now, and sometimes that brings the best out of you. That's awesome. I like to look at it that way. The central defense of the Seattle Sounders, as long as everyone stays on their feet, is pretty strong. And so if you're if you're matching up against a team that in transition is good or is fast or whatever, at least we've got good guys at the center. And Stefan Fry, he got a lot of flack on the internet for this last match, and I don't understand why. The guy's incredible. He's been, in the last 18 months, it's hard to think of a keeper you'd want more than that dude. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, come Ste on. Stefan Fry's been nothing but solid for the Sounders. That's Hold Alan on. again. Hold on, Alan. We've got Alan on one side, and we've got what I call the trash lorry on the other. It's Trash Lorry Tuesday. Uh, it's what I told my two-year-old, because I thought trash and lorry meant garbage truck. Careful. But I got it completely wrong. Yeah. So instead of saying garbage truck, I said trash lorry, because we call a, a garbage truck a, a, a rubbish bin. So... The uh, truck is called a bin? Well, yeah... And do you keep calling my fiance garbage? Is that what you're doing? That, <laughs> I call her pretty Lori. You're not allowed to call her uh, trash Lori. Well, you stake that claim. I'm going to stake a different claim. God, All right. Lost. Um, come on. But uh, yeah. 7.30 is the matchup against FC Dallas and Seattle Sounders FC with hopefully Brad Evans playing central for, center forward. Center forward while you look after his dog in the stands. How about that? Perfect.